Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. everyone in Montgomeryville as well joining us online happy 4th of July it's a beautiful day hope you're going to join us when we're done church today at Mandarak Park and it's going we're going to have a great time pick up your t-shirt this is the only Sunday you can get it after that we'll sell it to you for $25 I'm just playing and so kind of but pick up your t-shirt on the way out man we love we love today this is one of my favorite days one you know 2020 took a lot from us uh, last year, obviously, we know that. Uh, in 2019, we started this this new this new tradition, this family reunion, and it was awesome. And today is just going to be, and uh, we're going to have an awesome time for the next few moments, and we're going to have an awesome time together uh, at, at the park. And so, man, make sure you're out there uh, with us. But we're gonna we're gonna start a new sermon series for the next 10 weeks called called 10. And so, uh, and and the point of it is is kind of multi multifaceted. The first the first thing is we're going to spend 10 weeks. So today is July 4th. We're going to go all the way to September 5th, which is Labor Day. And, and we're going to spend 10, 10 weeks together. But the other, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to use the number, number 10 uh, as, as, our, as our guide. And so here's the thing about the Bible. If you don't know about the Bible, uh, the Bible is filled with, with all different information. One of the interesting things about the Bible is oftentimes the Bible will use numbers as a meaning. So if you read the Bible, you'll, you'll see different numbers in Scripture. And if you do some studying, you'll know that oftentimes they're, they're used to, to, to point to, towards a meaning. So like number one in Scripture often talks, it's, it's God. Like the Bible says, uh, the Lord your God is, is one. And so one often represents God. N- number two often represents unity. I think that's, that's probably common sense. Two is is unity. The, the number, number four often rents, represents integrity. Number 12 represents foundation. You can, you can see this. Like The number 12 is repeated over and over and over again. The 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus had 12 disciples. Like You can see that theme. The number 40, if you ever noticed, the Bible uses the number 40 a lot. And so like uh, the number 40, they, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. If you, if you, if you notice that, uh, there, there was uh, 40 days of trial in the life of, of Jesus. And Elijah was in the wilderness for 40 days. After Jesus came back from, from the, the tomb, he spent 40 days before he ascended back to heaven. And so you'll, you'll see this kind of common theme, use the numbers. And so I started, before we, we play in this out, I started studying the number 10. And the number 10 in scripture is repeated 242 times. And in scripture, number 10 represents completeness. And I thought that was interesting because it feels like, like we've completed something. And I, I know that the coronavirus and, and the pandemic is not over, uh, but it feels like it's we're, it, we're coming to an end. Like I'll give you an example. I went into Wawa this week and I, I had to do a double take. Now, a year and a half ago, if you walked into Wawa and people didn't have masks on, there was no plastic and there wasn't signs everywhere, and you know, it, you would you would have thought that was normal, right? But then we spent a year with, with plexiglass and you know mask and everything was like that I walked in and I went to the cash register I didn't have a mask on and the cashier didn't have a mask on and there was no plastic and I almost did a double take is this okay right like is and if and she was like oh no we took we took the plexiglass down and we're not wearing masks this week and it felt like they like this was we were like ah we're 
we're back, right? Has anybody else felt that? Are you guys with me? 915 service, are you, are you with me? Can you just put your hand up if you're alive? And so, there you go. And so, it felt like we were, we were complete. And so, I, I feel like this, this is going to be a great summer of celebration. We, are, we have come through what, for most of us, uh, we've gone through it and we're still going through it. Was, it was a very difficult year, probably the most difficult year that we've ever experienced as a church. There was a lot of difficulties, and, and we're just going to do some celebrating by focusing on the number 10. There's so many stories in scripture on the number 10. Like the number the number 10 in scripture, you'll see the 10 commandments, the 10 plagues, the 10 virgins. Some of you just started listening right there. The 10 <laughs> talents, the, the tithe is, is, how much is the tithe? Anybody know? It's 10. It represents complete. So we're going to start in the very beginning of the Bible today, Genesis chapter 1. And I want to show you something interesting that I never knew before. And so I started studying the theme of, of 10. Now, Genesis, if you're, not a, if you're not a church person, means the beginning. This is how God started this whole, this earth. This is how it was built, created. This is how it kind of fell apart. Now, you won't understand this, but in my generation, the greatest fight, the greatest kind of pushback from the world into the church was evolution, right? Like you're... This is, that's kind of established now, like most, most kids learn evolution in school, but in, in, my, in my generation, that was the church's greatest fight. You know it's different now, we've, we've moved past evolution, we're into gender and, and all these other things, but in my generation as a kid, we were really battling evolution. Now, you'll notice evolution is kind of something you don't even talk about before, but scripture is really clear, this is how this whole thing started. This is how, and, and here's why it's so important. If we didn't come from anywhere, we're not going anywhere. We have, we have no point. We're left to figure out life on our own, which we are doing, which by the way is why we're filled with so much anxiety, so much fear. Relationships are so broken. There's so much suicide. They're, they're like You see, if you move away from your creator, chaos ensues. And so it's really good to go back to Genesis. Like my kids are in public school. Somebody say, do you, what do you do with that? Well, I just tell my kids, that's, it's really stupid what they're teaching you, right? So pass the test. But this, is, this isn't the way it was. Like if you, you didn't come from, from nothing or you're nothing, you're not a monkey, right? I've, you're just, you're, you're, you're a person. God created you. And so we go back to Genesis chapter, chapter one and we establish ourselves in, in, in the truth. But I want to show you something. And I have never, when I do a sermon, I don't read a whole passage. Like it's just a lot of reading and I know I'm going to stutter and mess it up and I'm not that great of a reader, but I want to show you something in Genesis chapter one, and I'm going to not, I'm not going to read it. I want to show it to you though. And I want you to keep track with me how many times it said, it says the phrase and God said, right. And God, and God said, I want you to see it in scripture because I'm going to take you, you somewhere. Right. But the Bible says in Genesis chapter one, verse number, number one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God hovered over the waters. Now I want you to notice verse number three begins and it says what? Everybody say it. And God what? And God, and God said, really important. If you want to keep track, type A personalities, that's one, right? Just you want to keep your fingers up, that, that's one. And God said, let there be light. And he made light, right? Verse number six, what does it say again? And God, that's two. There will be a vault between the waters to separate the water from the water. God made the vault and separated the water from the vault from the water above it. So he made the, the sky, he made, made the sea, right? Verse number nine says, then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. So he makes the ground. So how many times have he says three times, right? We're at, we're at three, right? Verse 11, what does it say again? And God, God said, you see the theme? And, and God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees. So he, he, he's speaking. Verse number 14, again, what does it say? How many times is that? Five. Type A, thank you, right? 
Those of you who are, your mind's everywhere, like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. And so, five times, verse number 14, and God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. He makes the, the sun, the moon, and, and the stars. Verse number 20 says, and God said, let the water team with living creatures, let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. How many fishermen do we have here? That's your day, right? He makes the fish, makes the things. We're at six, right? Verse number 20, again, establishes what? And, and, and God says, let the land produce living creatures, hunters, according to their kinds, like the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its own kind. Verse number 26, again, it says what? And God said, seven times, first chapter, let us make mankind in our image, really important. Let us make man in our image, in, in, our, in our likeness, he says, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male, really important, and female, he created them. Real important to start here, right? Verse number 28 says, God blessed them. And one more time, it says that he, what? He says to them, this one's good, be fruitful and increase in number. Can I get an amen, right? Fill the earth and subdue it. That's number, number nine. And one more time in the very first chapter, number 10, verse number 29 says, then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that is, has the fruit with the seed in it, they will be yours for food and all the beasts of the earth and all the birds and the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give you every green plant for food. God saw that he had made it and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. So here's what you'll notice. In the first chapter, how many times does, God, does it say God said? Interesting. Now, number 10 equals complete. It's almost as if from the very beginning of Scripture, God is trying to maybe subliminally, right? Nothing is in Scripture by accident, but maybe he's trying. Like there's a, there's a, there's a sermon about creation. There's a sermon about gender. I'm not going there today. I want to go somewhere else with it. And here's the point of the message. It's almost as if the Lord is teaching us that you can live a complete life built on the words of God. It's almost like he's teaching us that the brokenness in relationships and the anxiety and the fear and the, and the worry and the purposeless living that many of us Many of us live, it's almost like he's trying to tell us, if you would just come back to the word of, of God, that you can live a complete life, complete peace, complete joy, complete relationships, complete fulfillment. Some of you need some complete rest, right? You need, you need the peace of God that, that, that goes against all understanding. In fact, Jesus said this years later when he came to the earth in, 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 in the book of Matthew chapter 4. He says, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every Every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. You can live your entire life, peace and joy and fulfillment, if you would simply build it on the word of God. In fact, this week, I, I thought it was interesting. I was getting ready for my, this sermon. I hadn't preached for a few weeks, so it feels like, I don't know if you've ever taken a few weeks off from exercising. It feels like you got to get back on the horse, and it just, I was back, back in, and I was in my backyard sitting on, on, on my deck, and it was early in the morning because my kids are out of school, and so now they sleep in. It's amazing, and so our, I've, I have quiet time, and I had my sprinkler going in my grass, and I'm just a little bit obsessed with I'm growing bare spots in my grass, and the sprinkler's going back and forth, and I'm having a moment with God, and I open up the Bible, and I land on Psalms 119. And Psalms 119, I know, is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, right? 
and, and I started to read it. And what's interesting about Psalms 119, it's not the exact middle. Psalms 117 is the exact middle of the Bible, but it's almost at the exact middle of the Bible. And when I, when I read it, do you know what it's about? 176 verses. It's about building your life on the word of God. Over, I took all week because it's 176 verses and I'm a C student, right? So from, from Monday until Friday, I read Psalms 119. It was it, it, 176 verses about building your life on the word of God. And I want to I talk to you about this today because too many Christians have no idea what God said. You, you have no idea. Like when I say, and God said, you're like, I don't even know what God said. So if I was going to have a title for this message, it would be, God didn't say that. God, God, didn't, God didn't say that. Like a lot of us don't know what God said. If a complete life, a peace-filled life, if complete relationships are based on the, the, the inspired word of God and we don't know what it says, we're in trouble. Listen, when you're illiterate in God's commands and the way that he communicates, you become an easy target for Satan to convince you and confuse you with lies. Like what happens is you suffer where you should be stable. You fear where you should have faith based on scripture. You stress when God says he'll sustain you through it. You see, we don't trust God because we don't, we don't know his word. God didn't, God didn't say that. So can I give you a few thoughts? You know, we have a lot of new believers come through this church. Some of you, you know what God said. You're like, I already know. I'm smarter than you. I got B's. And so, okay. But like, some of you are new in your faith. And you know, the, the, the reality is most Christians don't read the Bible. Like it, most Christians believe that Joan of Arc, right? Or even non-believers believe Joan of Arc was the, the wife of Noah, right? And, and, and if I said, who, who's the four gospels? Most of us, most of us don't, don't, don't know. And, and, and it, if I say something like this, if I say something, you know, in the Bible, it says that God helps those who help themselves. You'll go, yeah, that's, that's somewhere in the Bible. If I say something like cleanliness is next to, you're like, that's in there. Jesus said that, right? And the truth is most of us are very illiterate when it comes to the word of God. And here's what happens. Then you face things and you get in trouble. You, you go through things. Like we sing that song, I'm going to wait on you, and it's not exciting to you at all. You're like, Pfft. you're talking about the author. You're like, I just want something to happen. And, and, and I just need you to understand the Bible is full of examples of just wait on the Lord. He'll renew your strength. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not grow faint. But you don't know the word of God, and so you don't know how to fight through those seasons in your life. Some of you have marriage problems, and you don't know how to fix it, and you want to go to a counselor and tell them everything that's wrong with the person that you're married to, because they're all jacked up, not ever looking in the mirror, realizing you're jacked up too. Not understanding that the way that you stay married to the same person year after year is grace on top of grace. Can I get an amen? Amen. But you don't go back to the word of God. Some of you, you think it's all about feelings and feelings. And this is how I feel. And if I feel like this, it must be right because I, I should follow my feelings. And you haven't read the word of God where it says the heart is deceitful above all else. You better line your life up with the word of God or you're going to be far away from peace and purpose in your life. So let me just give you a few things that God did not say. Some of you, you know this. Some of you, this is going to be new information to you. God didn't say that. We're going to build our whole life on what God said. Number one, God didn't say he wouldn't give you more than you can handle. You ever hear this? It sounds good. You know, God, he'll never give you more than you can handle. Try being married. Some of you know you're married to the person. They're more than you can handle. Try having a cocky baby. That's, that's more than you can handle. 
I mean, I'm just going to be probably more honest than I should be with you, but do you remember being in the, in the, in the hospital before you left? They show you the, baby, the, the video about not shaking your baby. You guys remember that? And you're like, I would never do that. Ever to, and then you have a baby. Come on, am I right? You got to put them down. And just why can't I just can't deal with you right now? I can't. It, it, it's more than you can handle. Some of you've been to the doctor before and you've gotten a report. Something where you 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 try to be healthy in your life, but you 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 have you have cancer. It's it's more than you can handle. There, there's things in your life that are, and if you think that the Lord will never give you more than you can handle. You, you're, believing, you're believing a lot. And here, here's, here's why, this is why Satan loves this, is he wants you to hold things and have nowhere to put them. Like we, my wife had an, a great idea this week. You know, we, she's like, we don't have enough things for the kids to do around our house and let's get a trampoline. We have a few friends that have trampolines. Let's buy a trampoline. And so just spur the moment, we'll go to, go to Dick's Sporting Goods, find a trampoline and let's set it up, right? You ever have a, a, it, talk about more than you can handle, right? Like, Get a trampoline, you put the pieces, get the thing out, put the pieces out. My kids want to help, and so because it's for them, and so they're, they're helping, and I, I'm having them hold pieces, and they're, they're holding it. And could you imagine if I just said, Hold this? What do we do next? I don't know. Just hold it. And we started, we started like two o'clock in the afternoon. It's getting dark, we're still setting this thing. But the, the point is, I'm not just giving them things and saying to hold it. I'm asking them to hold it, right? But then I'm saying, okay, hand it to me because ultimately I'm going to put this thing together and I'll hand it. You hold it for a second, but when I ask you, give it to me. And there's so many of us that we believe the lie that the Lord won't give you more than you can handle. And so he's allowed something to come into our lives and we're just holding it. And could you imagine? It's heavy, dad. It's Sunday. You started putting this together on Friday. Still standing out of the yard, it's rain. Some of you are going through the elements of your life and you're holding on to something because you believe the lie that God won't give you more than you can handle. Listen to what scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10. This is why it's important to know what God said. God says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. You ever have somebody say, the devil made me do it? Nope, right? And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide you a way out so that you can endure. Satan wants you to believe that he will never give you more than you can handle, so you will foolishly face things that God wants to fight for you. God will give you more than you can handle. Some of you say, why does he do that? Well, two things happen. And, and listen, two of the most important steps in your life as a follower of Christ happen when you go through things that are bigger than you. Number one is you begin to depend on his presence. You, you begin to wholeheartedly depend on the... If you ain't been in a situation yet where you've been on your knees in tears, you haven't been following Jesus long enough. Because I can promise you, if you attempt to do anything significant for God, to stay faithful in your marriage, to raise God, uh, kids that love God, to build a business around the principles of, of God, to, to pastor a church, to do anything significant in your life, at some point, you are going to feel helpless and you are going to need the presence of God. You'll begin to depend on the presence of God. And in that dependence, you'll begin to experience, this one's good, the power of God. Everybody wants a testimony. Nobody wants a test. Everybody wants to see the faithfulness of God. Nobody wants to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
You'll begin to experience his power. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 12. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When you don't know the word of God, you'll begin to believe the lie that God will never give you more than you can handle, and you'll, you'll carry things that he wants to carry for you. Let me give you a few more. Number, number two is this. God didn't say he wants you to be happy. This is a good one for Americans. If you ever ask a, an American parent, what's your goal for your kids? I just want to raise happy kids. What happens when your kids want to eat a crayon? This generation of parents probably feed it to them. That's what they wanted. They said, I know they pooped out, you know, an abstract painting, right? But that's what they wanted. And this is how we parent. And here's the thing, because we parent like that, we think this is God's agenda for our own life. God just wants me to be happy. It says it in the Bible, his goal for my life is happiness. And I just need you to understand, happiness is a really bad destination in your life. It's a journey that never ends. You, you, it, it's, a, it's an unreachable goal. It's a moving target. What makes you happy today probably won't make you happy in six years. The person who you're married to today might not make you happy in a few years. The job that you have today probably not going to make you happy. The place that you live today, it's a bad, it's a bad goal. Like, you ever type a destination into your GPS? I'm a GPS fan. Like, some of you old school, you're like, I don't use GPS. Why? I use GPS, right? I use two GPS sometimes. If I don't get the correct answer on the first app, I go to the next app. I want the shortest distance between point A and point B. And I told you just a few years ago, I said, I, got, I drive to Oklahoma every, every, every year, at least once. And in, when we drive there, we always leave on a Sunday, drive through the night after church. And, and it's always exciting. The trip always goes pretty well. Driving home is the problem. You ever, ever been there? Driving back from vacation, is, is that, that's, that's hell, right, on earth. Like, that's just... It's just bad, right? And so we, we typed the GPS in back from Oklahoma to Pennsylvania, and usually it says 19 hours, 52 minutes, something like that, this many miles, and my GPS said about a day. When your GPS doesn't know how long it's going to take and it's giving you an estimate, you got problems. And I remember how livid I was. I was like, what do you mean about a day, right? It was a bad, it was a bad time in my life and I'm just telling you a lot of you you've set a destination and it's like mm, you might get there you might not and you believe the lie well no no God's plan for my life is he wants me to be happy listen if you believe God wants you to be happy then you'll believe that whatever makes you happy is okay with God it makes makes me happy if you believe God wants you to be happy then you'll also believe that ever what makes you unhappy can't possibly be what God wants for your life. And also, if you feel unhappy, you'll believe that discomfort and delays and inconveniences can't possibly be from God in your, in your life, and he ultimately has failed you. You see, you need to understand something. God wants you more than happy. There's a place that God can get you in your life if you read through his word and you study the examples in scripture called joy. Joy is not circumstantial. 
Joy has no bearing on your relationship status. Joy has nothing to do with where you live. Joy has to do with who you're establishing, who the author and perfecter of your faith is, who, who has saved you, who has secured you, who, who has called you, who is guiding you, right? He wants you more than happy. He wants you to have joy. In fact, in, in Psalms 37, it says, take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, American Christians like the second part of that. And God will give you the desires of your heart. What does the first part say? Take delight in the Lord. What does that mean? Serve him with all your heart. Put him first in your finances. Seek first his kingdom. And he'll open up the doors he's supposed to open up. Close the doors. Get you on the road. Give me the opportunities. Bring the right people into your life. Come on, take the right people out of your life. Just follow him. God wants you more. Then happy. Let me just give you a few more thoughts. Number three, God didn't say he would make your life. This one's good, please. We're going to go make your life easy. God never said he would make your life easy. This is one of the, the, the greatest myths new believers, new believers believe. Because I'll talk to them and they'll be like, since I started following the Lord, everything's been great. And I'm like, how long you followed the Lord? Three weeks. It's been the most incredible three weeks of my life. And I, I'll be like, okay, do you ever smoke? Most, most people, yeah. Do you ever get high? Yeah, yeah, right? You know how it feels when you're on that high and then you, then you come down off that, that high? Yeah. I was like, that's coming. <laughs> right? That, that's coming. Maybe some of you are like, I never smoked and I never did that. You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever date somebody for a while and it's like if euphoria and then you, then, you, then, then you go through the honeymoon phase and then all, all of a sudden you're like, it's, it's not there anymore. Okay, that, let's go there. Whatever example you want to use, like that is coming at some point in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to go off the mountaintop into the valley. The most growing, by the way, happens not on the mountaintop. Where does it happen? In the valley. The moments you're alone, the moments you're going through difficult seasons, the moments where you're waiting, the moments, listen, where you're suffering, the moments where you're lonely and God begins to teach you that he is all that you need, the moments when nothing's working out the way you want it to work out, the moments if you're a single person when every other friend you have is married and you're still waiting on God. Those are the moments that God does the most work in you so that he can do the most work through your life. And he never said that he would make your life easy. The Bible says he'll make your life better. This one is important, right? Better is always harder, right? Who wants to have better health in here? Most of us. Why don't we have better health? It's harder. It sucks. Well, come on, let's just be honest. You have to eat healthy, right? Who want, I, want to, I want to eat ice cream, and I want, I want to have burgers, and I don't want to, it's harder, right? You have to get up, and you have to exercise, and then you're sore, right? You don't feel like doing anything, and then that's your excuse. I can't do it because this is too hard, because better is harder. You want to have a better marriage. Guess what you got to do? You got to work at it. If you just lay around in your apathy as you get overweight and you kind of drift away from each other, your marriage falls apart. How do you have a better marriage? You put work into it. You want to be a better parent, guess what you got to do? You got to work at it. Everything better in your life is, is harder. So God wants you to have a better life, but he never said he would make your life, life easy, right? Number four is this. God didn't say, Lord, you can come play me out. God didn't say, this one's good. 
I love this because you hear people say this. They'll say, God works in, in, in mysterious ways. God never said he works in mysterious ways. You know the Bible, this is what's so funny about, about Christians. It, it, you ever have a teacher that gives you a syllabus? You guys remember what a syllabus was? And then they tell you in the syllabus, this page of the book, in this chapter, this sentence, that's where the, 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 the question's going to come from, right, on the test. The midterm is going to be based on that. You ever have a teacher? I love those teachers, by the way. They don't say read the whole book and try to figure it out. They just kind of go through the list and they say, here's where the test is going to come from. And, and I remember in my, in my experience, I still didn't do good. And my teacher would be like, well, use the syllabus. I'm like, what's the syllabus? <laughs> that was that paper I gave you the first day of, of, the, of the semester. Oh, okay. I'm supposed to read that. Yeah, that tells you everything that you need to pass this class. And you go in it, you're like, oh, dang. I, I got a C in this class, but all the answers to every test were already there. I would have easily passed the test when it came if I would have just, just read the syllabus. And the problem with so many Christians, because you don't go through the Word of God and understand the Bible is full of promises. Like, let me give you an example. And I'm, I'm going to talk about the tithe in a few weeks. The Bible says, uh, to trust me by giving me your first 10%, by returning, not giving. We should stop using that word. You return the first 10%. And the Bible says that I promise to flood open the gates of heaven. That's what it says, to meet, meet your needs. And then, and then some of you in this room as Christians, you're like, I'm struggling so much with my money and there's never enough and I can't do it. And it's like, okay, well, did you read Malachi where it says to put him first? Well, no. You know, and then we'll say, well, God just, God just works in mysterious ways. No, he's, listen, if God works in mysterious ways, what we're saying is he's very inconsistent. And if he's very inconsistent, you'll never trust him, right? Anything that's inconsistent, I don't trust. If I go to a restaurant and one time it's good and the next time it's not, you know, I don't go back to that restaurant. And, and it's not because I'm mean. It's like, I don't, I don't, I, I want the food I got the first time. If I go to a barber, right? Some of you notice I have, I like my, to get my hair cut and I want my barber. I want the same haircut every, every week. I don't want a different haircut. I don't want you to mess up. I don't want, like, I want the same, I want, why? Because you trust that person. You, have, you, have, you ever date somebody? Sometimes they're in a good mood, sometimes they're in a bad mood. Awful person to date. Right? Like, you want consistency. You want, the, you want to know this is how they act. They're not going to be perfect, but here's when they get mad. Here's when they're in a bad mood. Here's when they get tired. Like, you want consistency, right? And when we say God works in mysterious ways, what we're essentially saying is we don't have 1,600 pages of evidence of how God's work, and we're left to figure out on our, on our own, cross your fingers, hope to die, stick a needle in your eye the Bible somewhere, right? <laughs> and and I, I just want you to understand something. The Bible never says he, does, he works in mysterious ways. The Bible says his ways are better than ours. The Bible says his ways are higher than ours. That's what it says in, in Isaiah 55. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, as a Christian, I'm not talking about non-Christians. You can figure out life However you want. It's, it's America. You have freedom. But as a Christian, you're constantly going back to the Word of God. Like I, I know this is how the world tells me I should think, but 
That's not how the Bible tells, tells me to think. I know this is how the world tells me to use my money, but that's not how the Bible tells me to use my money. I know this is how the world tells me to, to develop and live in my relationships, and this is what we should do, and we should move in with each other before we're married because we, we got to give everything a test drive before we buy it, right? And so, But the Bible says this is how you should do it. It's not mysterious. This is what he says to do, and if you do it, it's not rules. This is the problem with so many. We're looking at the Bible, we're going, it's full of rules. No, God's ways are, are to get, get you to a life that you can never have on your own. They're the guardrails to protect you, to get you somewhere. His ways are not mysterious. His ways are very consistent. The Bible says all his promises are yes and, 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 and amen. Like sometimes I talk about church and all that God has done in our church. And sometimes, you know, people wonder, well, how has God done that? We've just trusted the Bible. Do what it says. We're going to be giving. We're going to be generous. We're going to try to be excellent. We're going to seek first his kingdom. And the Bible promises, Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's not a mystery. And lastly, number five, this one's good. This is, I was like, how can I end this sermon? Some of you in this place, uh, you look at God uh, in the Bible as all these rules. All these rules, all these requirements, all, all filled with agenda, right? Religion. And I just need you to understand something. God never said, he didn't say that he loves us when we do good. And, and here's, here's why I wanted to end with that. Because I feel like when you have a bunch of people in church, like there's this understanding of, of this God who, who loves you when you obey. Some of you came to church today, you're like, maybe God will make my life better. And I'll, I'll try to sing a little louder than I normally sing. Maybe God will make my week better. And, you know, I'm going to go and he's going to love me more when I do good. And then when you mess up, you know this because oftentimes you'll live in shame, right? And you'll disconnect yourself from the church and God and you'll, uh, and you'll kind of run away from him. And you know you believe this lie, this lie that you think is in the Bible where it says God, God loves those who are good and God is distant from those who are bad. And I want you to hear me. The Bible never says that. The Bible never says that God loves you when you succeed and God is far from you when you fail. The Bible says God is an ever-present help in a time of need. Bible talks about how God's mercies are new for us every morning. And so if you woke up here today and you've lived days or years or decades far from the love of God and you've run and you've said no and you've rebelled and you've brought all sorts of pain into your life and you have all sorts of regret and it's heavy. Like there's a lot. Like if I gave you time to list it, we would be here till the next 4th of July. The Bible says this. His mercies for you are new every morning. His forgiveness for you as far as the east is from the west. Paul said it in Romans Day. You can read it there in your notes. I don't have time to read it. But he said, I'm convinced. When I've taken a, a, a survey of my life and I've listed out all of the things that I've done wrong in my life, even up to this point, I'm convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. No mistake, no baggage, no regret, and no shame. And too many people look at the Word of God as all of these rules. Not a love letter to, 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 to people. Not the way that God came to save people and set them free. Not the rescue plan. Not where God calls the lost and the broken and the hopeless and the hurt. And He redeems them and sets them free. No, we look at the Bible and we go, it's filled with all of these rules. And it's so boring and it's so overwhelming and I can't understand it. And that's a ploy from the, from the devil himself. The Bible never says that God 
loves you when you do good. It just says that God loves you. That he loves you to the point that you don't deserve. I just, I just want to tell that to somebody today. Some of you in this room, you, you need that today. He, he loves you. He doesn't love you because you were successful this week. He just loves you. He didn't love you when you gave your heart to Christ. The Bible says before you were a sinner, Christ was dying for you. He started a relationship with you because you received Christ, but he loved you long before that. He loves every person who breathes on this planet. The Bible says before the foundations of the world that he was molding you. That you're not an accident. That you weren't placed on this earth accidentally. That no matter who has abandoned you, who has forsaken you, who has turned their back on you, who has let you down, that God never will, that he never has. And that he's here right now. And he wants a relationship with you. Somebody say, what does that mean? That just means that you stop trying to live life on your own. That means you go back to the very beginning of the Bible and say, God said it. God is the author of my life. I want a relationship with this God because when you know the creator, you'll understand where you're supposed to go from there. Some of you live your life in confusion and darkness and worry and in fear. It's because you don't have a relationship with the one that created you. It's there you begin to understand the definition of who you are, of where you're going. God loves you. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet and would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second? If you're in Montgomeryville, would you do the same? And I just wanted to end with that. My, 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 first, my, first, uh, my first hope is that many of you would begin this week uh, to open up the Word of God. To not be the type of church that you wait for Sunday to eat. Spiritually eat. That you would, you would download that Bible app. That you would allow, ask the Lord. Maybe you've never read the Bible before. Lord, I don't, I, don't know, I don't understand the Bible. I don't even understand anything He's talking about. But God, would you just begin to speak to me through your Word. The Bible says, seek me and you'll find me. Some of you, that's your step. Like, I, I, I come to church, and I love what God is doing in my life, and it, it, you know, but I go week to week, and by the time I get to church on Sunday, I'm starving, spiritually starving. And the reason you're spiritually starving is you haven't been fed for a week. You don't need a pastor. We're not a Catholic church. The Bible says you have one high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. How God speaks to me, he wants to speak to you. How he moves in my heart, he wants to move in your heart. The understanding that he gives me, he wants you to have that same type of understanding. Some of you would simply just making time in your life, making a priority in your life. Some of you say, I'm too busy to read the word of God. That's a lie. It's a lie. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else that everybody else is looking for will be added to your life, the Bible says. And then the other question is this, is, somebody in this place uh, when I talk about the love of God something something begins to happen in your life you, you don't even understand it uh, you almost hold back tears and, 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 and I say it's probably because you don't you never felt that before you've never experienced the grace and the mercy and a love that continues to come back to you, you you've only ever lived in what I would call a performance-based relational cycle and what that means is you've earned the relationships that you have. And so you perform. Some of you know that because you're professional performers. Nobody knows it. You act your way through everything. If somebody asks you how you're doing, you say good, but inside you're breaking. You smile your way through life, but you wear a mask. You're ashamed of who you are. You feel, you feel tired. You're tired of faking it. And you just want freedom. 
one of my favorite scriptures says, cast all of your anxiety on him. For he cares for you. Cast all your worry, cast all your, your pain, cast all your shame on him. See, there's a God that loves you more than you can imagine, and he, he wants a relationship with you. So you say, what does that mean? Well, his son came to this earth a couple thousand years ago. He died on a cross for our sins. That's historically accurate. Not just inside the Bible, but outside the Bible. A man named Jesus came and died. We know him as the son of God. He lived till he was 33 years old. And they put him on a cross, just like thousands of other people had been put on a Roman cross. And he, he died. But the Bible says that when he died, he gave up his life as a ransom. He sacrificed his life for you and me. And they took his lifeless body and they placed it in the tomb of a borrowed rich man. And they sealed it up. And the Bible says on the third day that he rose from the dead. And some people would argue and say, how do you know that he rose from the dead? Well, they never found his body. Thousands of years had passed. Many men and women since then that wouldn't stand for Jesus before that he died have given up their life to share this message of hope and grace. That there's power in the resurrection. There's power in the cross. And that Jesus is here right now. And the Bible says if you would call on his name that you would be saved, that you would receive the love of God and develop and begin a relationship with him. That you decide that, that I decide that. That I stop running, that I stop carrying it, the weight on my own, both here in Montgomeryville, and I give my life to Christ. That is the beginning of the best moments of your life. The beginning of the best moments. It doesn't stop there. That's the beginning. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I journey church. Whether you, you, this is your first week or you've been here for years, you know every Sunday we're going to give somebody an opportunity to respond to that gospel. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer here in a second. Many of you are not praying people. And so you're like, what is, what is that? Is, is it, do I need to know that? Prayer is simply you just talking to a friend. And all we're going to say in this moment is, is God, come into my life. From right here, I want a relationship with you. I want your love to fill my heart. I don't want to carry shame around anymore and regret and anger. God, I want the love of God. I want a relationship with you. And as you begin to pray that, the Spirit of God is going to just fill you up. I believe addiction is going to be broken in this place. I believe healing is going to happen. I, I believe hope is going to be restored in this moment. As we speak to God, His presence is going to fill this place. The first step, though, friend, is to respond. Here I am. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, so come on. If that's you all over this place in Montgomeryville watching online and you would say, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. This, I need freedom. It's interesting. We celebrate freedom today, right? A free country. Most important freedom you can experience is freedom in Jesus Christ. I need freedom in my life. I need forgiveness in my life. I'm tired of carrying the weight around with me. I want to give it to Jesus. Come on. If that's you all over our houses and you say, hey, you're talking to me unashamedly and with courage and boldness, would you just begin to shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, that's me. I see hand here and hand here and hand here and hand here. Yeah. Anybody else say, hey, pastor, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Montgomeryville, you say, hey, you're, you're talking to me, pastor. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Would you just begin to pray with me all over this house? Lord, we love you and we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done today. We thank you for your word, for it never returns void. Lord, we are a church that is, that is in love with the inspired word of God. We can build our entire lives off it. Lord, in a world that is filled with chaos 
and Lord so much information and constantly changing your word remains it never changes you're the same yesterday today and forever Lord we can trust you we can follow you we can obey you we can seek you and the Bible says all of your promises are yes and amen so we're gonna fall in love with your scripture Lord, for it's in your scripture that we learn most importantly about your love and your gospel, your gospel of grace through Jesus Christ, your mercy. Lord, and we're thankful, Lord, that we're receiving you right now as both our Lord and our Savior. You're saving us from our sins. You're saving us from hell. And Lord, we're giving you our life as our Lord. We trust you and we follow you. Lord, I'm grateful for this decision that's happening. It's a monumental decision in somebody's life. And we're grateful, Father, for what you're going to do. You're going to begin to speak to them. You're going to fill them up with your presence. Lord, areas of their life that they can never get past, they're going to walk in freedom. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that all that is going to begin to happen because of this one moment of obedience in this room. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all that you've done and all that you continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray. One more time, church, let's shout amen together. Let's clap together. And let's clap as loud as we can for two people online that receive Christ. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.